you have your Bibles at home, if your Bible's here at the church, I want you to turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy. I think it's important for us to know uh, in these days that it's important, uh, the importance of understanding we're in a war, and that war is against uh, both truth and a lie, and uh, we know that there are things going on within our culture that would like to stop the truth. And we want to continue with it. I think it's important for us to do something on Memorial Day. I was just thinking about uh, years ago, there's pictures of our church through the years. One year we had, uh, we had the, the military come in. We had the Marines come in here uh, with the banner and come down. Uh, and it was a blessing to be able to have them here in our church be willing to do that. Uh, the color guard uh, was responsible for that back then, and I was able to talk with him and bring him in here. I think it's important for us to honor where honor is due. And uh, Memorial Day uh, usually becomes Memorial Weekend. And uh, it seems like we have more things to do now than ever. And, uh, but it's a blessing for us to remember these things and help us to understand that we ought to remember those that have gone before us. Uh, of course, it's more than just take your brat to work day. Uh, it is de- designed and, and was designed so that we be thankful for the Americans that have given their life. Uh, as Americans, we ought to show gratitude. And uh, when we show gratitude, there needs to be an action connected to that to be able to say thank you. And what they did is they would actually go out and decorate the graves of the soldiers that died during the Civil War. That's where it all began. And uh, again, it was a burden of a woman that to be able to do that. It was called Decoration Day in the beginning. And uh, loved ones would take flowers and flags to the graveside uh, of the good soldiers that did not make it home alive. I remember in recalling, sometimes I'll take my father to see the graves um, of his loved ones, and I'll come upon Jack Howell's grave, and uh, there'll be a flag there, a little small. He was in uh, the United States Navy, and so um, uh, what a blessing. I'm sorry, he was in the Air Force. There is a difference. I'm going to make sure of that. So there is a difference in branches. Uh, and so, uh, but I, I thought about all of those that have given their lives uh, through the years. Thousands of soldiers have died. Memorial Day, of course, is tomorrow. And uh, I hope that you would take time to consider remembering some of the people that have died. The number of fatalities are incredible. Um, I think it's important for us to remember that uh, in the American Civil War, we actually had 620,000 soldiers. In the American Civil War, it was between 1861 and uh, 1865. Uh, 620,000 people died in the American Civil War. It's incredible if you think about that many people. And in uh, World War II, uh, between 1939 and 1945, there was 405,399 uh, soldiers had lost their life. Um, in World War I, what was 1917 to 1918, 116,516 soldiers um, didn't make it home and died because of World War I. One of those was my great-grandfather, uh, Luda Vesperman's husband, uh, was in World War I, um, and he did die because of the conditions that he was in. He came home uh, but died because of a pneumonia. 
Um, and he had, again, two little girls, Viola and Lova. And Lova was a member of our church for uh, many, many years. But her father was in World War I. Vietnam, 1965 to 1973, 58,209 soldiers didn't make it home. And uh, I praise the Lord for uh, our country to put up these memorials, and they're doing a great job. Continue that. Uh, continue to remember the Vietnam War. The Korean War, 1950 to 1953, there was 36,516 soldiers that didn't make it home. Uh, if we go back even to the American Revolutionary War, 1775 to 1783, 25,000 men uh, died in the American Revolutionary War. The War of 1812, 1812 to 1850, 2015, 20,000 soldiers died. American, uh, the Mexican-American War, 1846 to 1848, 13,283 uh, soldiers died. I got this in alphabetical order, by the way. The Spanish-American War, 1898, um, there was actually 2,000 446 soldiers died. The war on terror from 2001 to the present, there's been 7,057 that have died. I skipped one, and that is the Gulf War, 1990 and 1991. Um, that's the, the, uh, the, the war that my friend was in, um, Eddie Johnson. He's come here before. He was with me uh, in the Marine Corps back in 1980s, and he was in the Gulf War, and he was so thankful that he was an American Christian that was involved with that. And if he, he said, Dean, if you could have just seen... God's hand upon the American soldiers in the Gulf War. 258 uh, soldiers did lose their life uh, during that time. I think if we were to take an evaluation, although thousands have died, I just want to focus our attention on some of the soldiers, more recent, if you would, when we think of good soldiers uh, or strong soldiers. I think sometimes we think of not the Marines, but the Navy SEALs. And uh, I began to do a little research with the SEALs, the, the ones who are courageously dropped. Uh, they're the ones that dropped it and said hello and goodbye to bin Laden. Uh, they were able to say, how you doing, and sent him where he needed to go. And uh, we, we know that this were, these were the Navy SEALs, and they were strong, strong men that were involved with that. Entertain, entering uh, training to become a Navy SEAL is voluntary. Anyone can volunteer. Uh, and officers and enlisted men train side by side in order to enter SEAL training, however, they do need to meet certain requirements, and those wishing to volunteer for the SEAL training, uh, several things are involved. First of all, they need to be an active duty member of the United States Navy in order to be a SEAL. Now, um, it's interesting because it, it says here that they needed to be 28 years or younger, and sometimes they give waivers to 29-year-olds and even 30-years-old. They've, they've done that before and given some waivers so men can actually go and train to be a Navy SEAL. Um, they have to have good vision, 20-40 in one eye, 27 in the other eye. Corrective surgery, though, is possible for them to enter in. They need to be a U.S. citizen. They need to pass the armed service vocational aptitude uh, battery, they call that, as a test. They have to pass that. They also have to pass a stringent physical screening test that includes the following. They need to swim uh, 500 yards in 12.5 uh, minutes or less. 
followed by a 10-minute rest after that. And then you need to do 42 push-ups in two minutes. And then followed by that, uh, two-minute rest. They, they, they do 50 sit-ups under two minutes, uh, followed by a two-minute rest. And then they need to do uh, six pull-ups, at least six, followed by a 10-minute rest. And then they run 1.5 miles in boots and long pants and less than 11 miles. Uh, it's not too bad at the beginning, but then once the SEAL actually qualifies for training, that's when the real fun starts. There seems to be a little bit more of a, of a, of a desire to get them into shape. And the seal, uh, SEALs are, are of America strongest fighting force. And the training consists of, um, I just lost my screen. It's always the downplay of technology. But I'm learning. I'm really proud of myself. I got a tablet up here and accepting these professional things, even though I'm not. Uh, but one of the things is that training consists of three weeks of orientation followed by three phases, covering physical condition, which is seven weeks, the combat diving, which is seven weeks, and then the land warfare, seven weeks, respectively. An officer and the enlisted uh, personnel, like I said earlier, have to go through the same training together. It's not like that in the Marine Corps. Officer, officer training is different than it is, of course, uh, for the enlisted personnel. But the SEALs, then, are one of America's strongest forces, and I remember firsthand seeing the SEALs that were involved uh, with me when we were in Lebanon. We had a little crisis where uh, we had a problem with um, one of our landing craft units. We were actually going on shore in Beirut, and... Um, and we were practicing for that. Um, it was near Moorhead City, North Carolina. And uh, what you would do is you would put um, three tanks on a landing craft unit. That landing craft unit then could actually go to a large ship, and the, the back of the ship would fill up full of water, and that landing craft unit uh, would actually pull into that ship. It would go back up, and that would be dry so that all the water would be gone, and you can get out and be on the ship with tanks. And they decided that they were going to be able to engineer that. It was successful. But when we were training one time, they actually were hitting sandbar. Um, we had the tanks. Um, we're heading into Moorhead City like we're making an amphibious assault in Lebanon and practicing. And we hit a sandbar. And so they said, I want everybody to get up off of the, off of the landing craft unit, up a high, because these tanks could slip. Well, one guy didn't do that, and we hit another sandbar, and that time the tanks all slid forward, and they crushed him. And, uh, the, but, but right away they called in helicopters, and, and I, I saw with my own eyes the Navy SEALs. There was, two of, there was three of them in a small little boat, and, uh, and that little boat came closer and closer to, to our little landing craft unit, and uh, two of the, they, he did a U-turn. And when he did his U-turn, two of them jumped. And I don't know how they were able to hang onto this, this little small ship, but they got to this man in no time and were able to take gauze. He had slid himself from here all the way to the middle of his belly. And so the tank was able to be moved back. They laid him down. And, they, and, and, and before I knew it, as soon as they put the gauze on him, there was a helicopter overhead lowering a basket down. And I saw this, this, this Navy guy that was part of the landing craft unit got put in a hospital, and he survived. And I really believe because of the training of the SEALs that were involved. Now, that's as close uh, to what I can uh, understand about the SEALs. I don't know them. I, I don't know any of these men. But I began to do some research, and I thought about how important it was for me to just to kind of go over some of them and keep them in our minds uh, since 2016, 
there's been several that have died, but just a, just a few I want to show you um, that these are the ones that died in action. And uh, I was thinking of Christopher Paul Brittenham, and he was a special warfare operator. It's from left to right on your screen. And he is operating his first class. He was a SEAL. He passed away December 7th, 2020. Then there was Jason Stanley Huber. He's the one then, of course, uh, without the uniform. He's just, all you can see is his head on the upper, your upper left. And that was Jason Stanley Huber. He was chief special warfare boat operator. And, of course, he died in action October 18, 2019. And then David Metcalf, he's got a big grin on his face, and he was a SEAL. He died in Camp Lejeune uh, this, uh, January 2nd, 2019. Then there's Chad uh, Michael um, Wilkinson. He was a senior chief special warfare operator, which is one of the best SEALs in Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia where, is where he was from. Uh, but he died October 29, 2018. Uh, these four men have died and died for us to be able to have what we have today. I think there are four more here. Um, we have on the upper left um, of your screen, uh, upper right on your screen, the guy in white. Uh, we have Justin um, William Pegg, Special Warfare, Virginia Beach also, May 17, 2018. And then the, the fellow with the big grin, that's Eduardo Valdez. And he was the chief special warfare operator. He was from Hawaii, and he lost his life um, and died on December 19, 2017. And then there's, on the bottom uh, right, is Mark Weiss. I thought that was interesting. Uh, we have a pastor not too far from here, Mark Weiss. And uh, this was a lieutenant. He was a SEAL. Uh, he died in Tasmania, November 11, 2017, while in operation. And there's a lot of things that go on that we don't see. Um, Seth Anthony um, Seth Anthony Stone is the next one there, was a commander. Uh, he, he died at Paris, California, September 30, 2017. Um, thought was interesting, and I think I might have missed one. But then there was David, uh, or Devon Gruge. Um, he was Special Warfare Operator, First Class SEAL. And Jesse Irwin, um, also Reddy Jr., Lieutenant Tech, Mississippi, uh, died January 11, 2016. And so we have these men before you that I wanted you to see pictures of them that actually passed away. And these are the only ones that have died in, 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 in combat. They have died while they were on a mission. And a lot of the missions were in secret, perhaps. And, and a lot of times there are people that actually were strong enough to get into the place where they could do diving. And uh, they were strong because they're, of their training. And I thought about these strong Wonderful men that were doing the best they could. Many of them joined the military. You can go ahead and take the picture down. But many of them were in the military because they desired to be able to defend the United States of America. But it wasn't just America. They were actually helping other nations. And if you talk to other nations like the Japanese, they said that the Americans were such friendly people. And they're so thankful for what we've done through the years. If you go to the Pentagon, they have one floor where we can just see the aid that has gone in and helped these other countries that were actually involved in it. I'm so thankful to be an American. And I'm still thankful for the American flag. I have two of them on my property. We have one in the church to my right. We also have small ones in this, right here this morning. But I think to be a patriot is a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a, it's an, it's a needed thing. And, and no matter what this generation wants to do, the generations that came before us did it right. Yeah. 
And uh, we need to remember that. And, and, and if we're going to be able to go forward with the freedoms that we have, the, we better grow a backbone again. America needs to move forward with strength. And I'm praying that God will do his work and continue to help us be able to be involved with the, the ministry. Also, I was thinking about the Bible in all of this because the Bible tells us in First Chronicles chapter 12 that Shemaiah was a man and he had sons. And these sons were born, of course, and that he ruled uh, throughout the house of their father. They had mighty men of valor. And the, and the word valor here really is an interesting word. This clause of valor that you see in Second Chronicles, this clause is mentioned many times because they're often office required both strength and courage, strength and courage, for they were to shut the doors of the temple, and one whereof was the great and weighty uh, doors, and the doors of the temple, of course, uh, the second temple is required uh, 20 men to close the door, and you can imagine the strength that they needed to open and close the door, but yet they were those that were to oversee the temple of God. Interesting that they were also to keep guard. They were to keep all unclean and forbidden persons to coming in and to prevent and, or suppress any uh, tumults or disorders which were happening within the temple or the courts to keep the treasures of the temple. This was a group of officers, if you would, that were judges at the same time, and they were placed over Israel to, to, to manage every matter pertaining to God and affairs of the king. And I was thinking about how God then established in the old days, the Old Testament, soldiers to be able to guard his people. I was thinking about the Bible and how it says that we ought to be good soldiers. And the Christian life is compared a lot of times to the military, if you would. The Bible before us today, we read the scriptures in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse number 3, says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to move into the scripture, if you would, follow along with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, because I think a lot of times we'd like to be able to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I really think for there to be the understanding of a good soldier, we have to draw out what we should be from the scriptures rather than come up with some physical thing. I really believe that when God works with individuals, he gives even tiny men an incredible amount of power from heaven to be able to preach his word. I think of Billy Sunday and how that he would always open up the scriptures to Isaiah and have him placed down in front when he began to preach so that people understood that the power of God was upon him and he knew it. He knew that the power of God was there, and he began to preach, and many people came to Christ in Billy Sunday's day. It was during the Prohibition, and he got a hold of people's hearts through preaching the Word of God. And it was during the Prohibition, he was a Presbyterian, and he was a person that actually had a passion for the Lord. He began in baseball. He was fast. He was skinny. And when he preached, man, he would, they would actually have to, have to get him cooled down after his sermons because he just gave it all during those times of preaching that God took that tiny man and gave him a power from above to be able to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about that, I think it's important for us to look at the scriptures. The Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy and he desired for him to know that if he wanted to be a good soldier, there were certain things involved. And so I, I put it into three areas. I hope it will be an encouragement to you. The first one is the ability to endure is, is acquired through a continual exercise. Look what the Bible says. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace 
that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, I want you to be strong, but I want you to be strong in grace. Now, let me just explain to you that the grace that the Bible's talking about here is not the grace that many pulpits are presenting today. When the Lord Jesus Christ was talking to his disciples to be strong and to go ahead and go out, and they said, we have a sword, and he said, that's good enough. He wanted them to be strong, but he wanted them to be strong in the grace of God, and the grace of God is is the power for you to be able to do God's will. He's given you the grace to live godly in this perverted world. He's given you a power and a grace today to be able to show up at church. When many people have set aside church now, they think they, they think they're their own God. They're actually implementing things in this world to say that you can worship yourself rather than coming together and worship God with God's people. And you didn't come today to see performance. We sing the old songs the old way. Nothing fancy here at Grace Baptist Church. Just a, a bunch of humble people that want to serve God. And by God's grace, we're going to continue on to preach his word his way. I think about how that this is so needed today for men of God to stand up again and say, I know what God's called me to do. And maybe he has troubles doing it, but God's given him the power and the grace to to be strong in Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And then he says, work out your own salvation. That word work out is the word exercise. And so exercise your own salvation with fear. That's honor and trembling before God. We're supposed to exercise ourselves. Now, let me tell you something. I don't like to exercise, but it is absolutely necessary. I'm in the, I'm in the church sometimes, and, and through the days, I'll talk to Janet and say, I'm going to step out. I'll talk to Brother Alfredo. I'm going to be stepping out, and I'll walk a mile. I'll go down the road a little ways, cut up through, and I, I, I know every ornament in people's yards now. I, I see their yards, and I know where the junky yards are, and I know where the good clean yards are. And I'm thinking about how that, how that God has given us a wonderful place to be able to exercise. If we really want to, we can exercise. Now, when we're talking about physical exercise, you may have a treadmill, perhaps, or you may have a, a pump iron. You may, you may sit at your desk and do some strange rubber band things or something. I don't know. But you exercise yourself, and that's a good thing. But we're talking about exercising ourselves spiritually. In order to be strong in the Lord, we need to exercise these spiritual disciplines that God gave us. I remember uh, when I was at North and I was going through college and and, I had three boys at that time. And my wife and I were, were going through the school and trying to get done. And I remember there was a church that wanted me to come and they wanted me to take over the church for a small period of time. The pastor had resigned, and it was two and a half hours away, and so I knocked on Dr. O's door because I know that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and circumstances plus good, wise people will help you with the will of God for your life. And so I knocked on his door, and, 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 and Les Ola came to the door, and he said, what can I do? Can I help? He says, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm thinking... I've already got all of these credits. I've taken 18 credits this semester. We, I was working nights drywalling, and this church wanted me to come. And without the Spirit of God, I couldn't have done any of those things. But you know what's interesting? He said to me, you need to build up your spiritual muscles, Dean. You need to serve God when it isn't easy. And God will just use this time in your life so that when you get out, you'll be able to endure the hard things. 
and you'll be able to stay the course. And I was thankful on one hand that he gave me the advice, but basically what he's telling me that I should go two and a half hours away with the family. We ended up doing that on Sundays, and then I ended up doing it on Wednesday nights also by myself. It was a five-hour trip, but the Lord blessed in the ministry there. But I, I think there's more to it than just endurance. There's a exercising yourself in, in self-sacrifice as a leader and as a Christian. It's not all about you, dear friend. No, it's about other Christians. It's about people who don't know Christ. And there must be self-sacrifice involved in order for us to continue with the ministering of the Lord. There must be a time. It's not about you. We need to exercise ourselves in patience. I got together yesterday morning with the men for, 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 for our time, uh, for, for our monthly uh, prayer breakfast. And we were talking about pack your patience because we're going to need it. And we talked about how at the beginning of this a year ago, that was the message I gave to you. And dear friend, we've had to have patience through all of this. Have you ever wanted to scream at somebody when they tell you to put your mask on? Protect me and put your mask on. Did you ever have someone tell you that? It takes patience to say, oh, I'm, I must have forgotten. Oh, I have it right here. You put the mask on. I was at Menards and this guy, he looked like he was going to bite my head off. I said to myself, I wonder how far I could get in here without my mask. I walked by several people and all of a sudden I saw him. He caught my eye, I caught his eye. I knew he wanted to fight. So I stood up real strong, hid my left arm, because I have a bad arm. So I hit it. He come over to me with his eyebrows down and goes, you better put your mask on right now. I almost, I wanted to go, nah, 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 nah. But I put my mask on. Then I asked him, can you help me with something? I got to find something that I can spray my apples with, you know. And he turned out to be a really kind person. But it takes a tremendous amount of patience this last year. If you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, it involves self-sacrifice. Don't make decisions so that you're more comfortable. Make decisions that are going to be healthy for the people around you. Discipline is needed. Exercise yourself in discipline. You don't discipline your mind. You got to discipline your mind every time you have a thought that's not of God and place it underneath God and say, Lord, take this thought, this imagination, this, this reasoning. I think it's, I think it's important for me to, to think about these things, but I don't know if it's going to glorify you. And so I place it underneath your authority. I submit my thought to you right now, Lord. Exercise yourself in this. Continue to do it. Every day, make sure it's a self-sacrifice day. Make sure it's patience. Make sure there's discipline involved. Make sure there's vigilance. I just sat down with some men today and said, let's be vigilant. Let's keep watching. You need to be obedient if you're going to exercise yourself. Exercise yourself in instant cooperation with others. Did you hear that? Exercise yourself in instant cooperation with others. There's nothing worse than a Christian that is so stubborn they won't work with other people. I should just give an invitation right now and go home. Because I think that that's one of the greatest thoughts that God gave me concerning dealing with people today. If you're a Christian and you have trouble working with people, then get right with God. Sympathy. Your eyes water when things happen. I had to refrain myself this morning when there was an individual that was asking about salvation this morning. And 
I had to keep my composure. I just wanted to start weeping because how many men are like him? They're in the lost and found and, and, and no one cares for them and no man cares for his soul perhaps and maybe tonight he'll sleep outside. I don't know. But by the grace of God, somebody will take him the gospel and his soul can be saved and he might not have a lot of time here, this side of heaven that's comfortable, but someday when he sees Jesus, he'll be okay. What a blessing to have sympathy Enthusiasm, of course. Exercise yourself in enthusiasm and in loyalty. By the way, the best way to be enthusiastic is just to keep your heart on positive things. As soon as you hear negative, just turn around and walk away from the person. They'll get it after a while. They really will. Just pray for them and say, God, help that person. They constantly take me down. They want me to be just like them. Stay away from negative people. Stay positive. Remember that God is still working. He's desiring to do his will. Satan is on the dark side. Stay on the bright side and continue to do what God wants you to do and find something to do. But be loyal then and continue on to be loyal. Of course, we were talking about grace. It's needed. Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Tertullian, one of the old church fathers, wrote this. Even in peace, soldiers learn betimes to suffer warfare by toil and discomforts, by marching in arms, running under and over in the drill ground, and working in trenches, and making uh, 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 bunkers, and constructing the camp until the sweat runs again. In like manner do you, O blessed ones, account whatever is hard in your lot as discipline of the powers of your mind and body, and you are about to enter for the good fight in which the living God gives you the prize in the end, and the Holy Spirit prepares you to, for, to, to be the commandant. Uh, and, and the crown of his eternal prize of, of an angel's nature, citizen of heaven, glory forever and ever. Therefore, your trainer, Jesus Christ, has seen good to separate you from the state of freedom for rougher treatment that power may be strong in you. The next time you look down and say, why is all this besetting me? Why am I going through all these afflictions and difficulties? Because God desires to separate you so that you can be one of the strong ones. Because he always uses those that have come out of the furnace of affliction to do his work. And if you feel like you've been afflicted and picked on by God, it's because God loves you and wants to have you be stronger and go to the next level. But I don't understand it, Pastor. Neither do I at times. But remember that God wants you and desires for you to be a good soldier in Jesus Christ. And so the ability to endure is acquired through continual exercise. I remember when I first started running in the Marines, I had a swollen left ankle because I was in a bad motorcycle accident. They did skin grafting on it. My left ankle was as big as my knee at one time. I remember the first mile that I went on, I was like, I can't do this. And God said, oh, yes, you can. And I went the first mile, and then the second mile. And by the end, I, I was doing five miles in boot camp. My ankle began to get even smaller because of the activity on it. And it began to get better. You see, God wants to make you stronger, even if it hurts at times. Just remember that he loves you, and he wants you to continue to move forward. 
I remember by the end of the Marine Corps, I'd run 10 miles a day. Dear friends, today I couldn't even run to the refrigerator right now. But I'll tell you what, folks, God gave me the strength back then, and I know it was of God. I'd run five miles and turn around and run five miles back. And I remember being in the woods and crying out to God and saying, Thank you, O God, for giving me the strength. Physically, I was strong. But what's needed today is for people to be spiritually strong, to be able to face the, the winds of adversity and the winds of affliction. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might, dear friend, remember, to endure. Then the second thing is the ability to enlist is acquired through continuous teaching. A good soldier will endure, but he will also enlist. So I can be strong and endure, and yes, I'm strong, I can continue on, but now I need to say, yes, Lord. What are you going to do with your strength? I was thinking about how that we ought to be reliable witnesses and trustworthy recipients, not spectators in God's army. You know, let somebody else do it. I don't care how old you are, you can serve God still. I remember my grandma saying, what good am I? And I'd listen to her pray at night down through the, she was living with us at the time. I, I just want God to take me. I said, we need you, grandma. Continue to pray. And I'd be up there studying and I could hear through the vents my grandma praying for our, our church and praying for her family. And, and I, I know sometimes you feel like your wisdom is not being heard, dear friend. And you're up there in age. Let me tell you something. Keep talking. Because there are some listening. And keep attending. And keep serving. And keep praying. And don't quit. And hold your head up high. And know that God has blessed you through the years. And you've been faithful to him all of these years. And people are looking to you for the example. To stay faithful to the end. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, please. For the next generation's sake, be strong. Be reliable. Don't be just recipients and spectators. Do something. Show up. Be a martyr, not a hireling. Oh, that God would get a hold of someone's heart in this congregation to say, God's called me to preach. I'm not going to be a hireling. I'm going to be a martyr for Christ. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to give Christ everything and he can do with me. I pray this morning, oh God, I'm in your disposal. Whatever you want to do with me, I'll do. I can't even think sometimes. I forget everything. But I'll do your will. Someone said yesterday at a little gathering, it was a fellow that came down, I think it was Roger, that said, I've lost my memory. I can't even hold a grudge anymore. <laughs> so well, that's a good thing. Then relay, if you would, the baton, please. Remember that somebody's coming behind you and be graceful as you slip the baton, the baton back and give it to them. Deposit it to a faithful man, someone that actually showed himself, first, I believe, as a good deacon for many, many years. Someone who was not only a deacon that moved in and was able to be hearing the call of God, that then moved into a, a servant serving the Lord in order to be a good soldier. We must understand that he, not, he must be a person who is going to study, but he's also going to be a good server. But he's willing to sacrifice. I think about how you need to hand the baton to the person who's going to get the gospel out. We failed in 2020 to get the gospel out in this, in this city. 
because of all the restraints that are going on. And Saturday, we would come, and if we go to a person's door, you don't have a mask on, you can't, you know, how can you go door to door, and how can you get the word of God out when all this is going on? We try our, our best on, on social media. And by the way, the computer's not the answer, friends. It, it may be for other countries, and it may just be that the missionaries would stay here for a while and keep using it in contact and getting the gospel out. But when you shake a person's hand and tell them that you love them, and you, you've taken your Saturday and you're going to go out there and you're going to give yourself to the Lord and give them the gospel. They'll listen to you, dear friend. I think about how that we need to start Operation Saturation. And I think it would be good for us to go into the mobile home park over here that Brother Alfredo lives in and that Brother, brother, uh, brother Wade and Sandy live in and, and just saturate that whole mobile home place with the Word of God. Don't you think that would be a good idea? I think that we need to continue, dear friend. And so pray with me that we could do Operation Saturation and get back out on the streets. I was thinking about how that we got to be careful with the doctrine we teach. It has to be sound doctrine. If we're going to rely, relay the baton, we ought to relay it in a way that understands that you've got to give it to a faithful man who's going to preach the gospel, but he understands sound doctrine. He understands spiritual leadership. He understands servant leadership and servant spirit. He is, he is submissive in his heart to the God of heaven, and he will continue on. I hope you understand a good soldier is needed. It's able to then recruit others. The goal, remember that it's an endless chain from generation to generation. This tells me that there are qualified teachers of truth ordained by God to use what they have been taught for the growing of others and ultimately to the glory of God. I was thinking about this and I, I started studying about biblical discipleship of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I, I read what Paul Powell was saying in a book called The Complete Disciple. He described it this way. He said, many churches today remind me of a, a laboring crew trying to gather in the harvest while they sit in the tool shed. This is what he said. They go to the tool shed every Sunday, and, and then he study bigger and better methods of agriculture and sharpening their hose and greasing their tractors, and then they go home and... And, and, and they sit down for a little while, and then they come back that night, and they study bigger and better methods of agriculture, and they're sharpening their hose and greasing their tractors, and then they go home again. And they come back Wednesday night, and again, they study for bigger and better methods of agriculture, and they sharpen their hose, and they grease their tractors, and then they, then they go home, and they do this week in and week out, and year after year, and nobody ever goes out into the field and goes and gets the lost one and brings them in. I'm thinking, we've missed it, dear friend. Even through a pandemic, we've missed getting the gospel to those that are weary and need Christ. Someone said the yoke and the cross are twin symbols of Christian experience. And the cross speaks of leaving the world for Christ and the yoke speaks of learning in the world from Christ. And the one speaks of sacrifice and the other speaks of service. And the disciple must bear both of them and he cannot choose to take one and leave the other. And the last thing I want to leave you with this morning I was going to say, I'm sorry for keeping you so long, but I'm really not. <laughs> but bear with me. The third thing is the ability to affect is acquired through a continuous examination. And I really believe in order to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you better check how you're doing. Check your temperature. 
The Bible says in Psalm, 60, Psalm 26, verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try the reins of my heart. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves, whether they be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves and how that Jesus Christ is in you. I want to close with this illustration and show you one more picture. Private Treptow was in World War I. He was born in 1894 and he died in 1917 and he was from Bloomer, Wisconsin. So I thought I'd put some pictures of him for you to see him. He fought in France during World War I as a member of the famous Rainbow Division. I can't get into how the Rainbow Vision was actually put in place. This young man named Martin was a barber during the peacetime. And how that he desired to join, be one of the enlisted people. But he was in a battle, and the battle, of course, was getting stronger. And as the battle drew to the end, a messenger was needed to deliver an important word to one of the platoons. And Private Martin A. Treptow, the barber turned warrior, grabbed the message, and he moved out under fire. And as he reached the platoon leader, Treptow was shot down, but he was able to deliver the message. But the bullets came on him quickly. Later in policing Treptow's belongings after he died was a diary. It was found with bloodstains on his blouse, written in Treptow's hands. Treptow's hands also was a little small note. And on the note, there was many things written. I want to read to you part of it. It said, my pledge, my words, should work as a memorial for the price that I'm about to pay. America shall win the war, he wrote down, and therefore I will work and I will save. I will sacrifice, I will endure. And the last comment he wrote down on that little piece of paper and put in his pocket said, I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the whole issue of the struggle depended on me alone. I thought about how it was like when he stood up and with his uniform on. We have a picture of that. A picture of him standing next to his lovely bride. And they have a picture of him and how he was found there leaning against some of the old construction of a, of a, of a small bunker. And how he gave his life completely for a cause that we have somewhat left aside as Americans that God has his hand upon America, and he has for a long, long time. But I believe that God is going to take his hand off of America unless we turn around and plead out to him. I know it's late. But as I sat in a small church not too far from Cook County Jail, 75 people in that church, but the building was huge. And I remember walking into that building and I remember walking into the library, into the offices, and then there was a gymnasium upstairs where the younger guys were playing. I went down there to preach with some guys from Northland and 
I went into the bathrooms and they were leaking and it smelled and the walls were kicked in. And I went into the other parts of the building and it just seemed like it was uncapped. I went into the auditorium and it was huge. And I said, I said to myself later on that night, I said, where did it go wrong, Lord? Was it the people? Was it the pastor? And you know what? The Spirit of God spoke to me and said, no, it was guys like you that wouldn't surrender earlier. You see, I, I said yes to the Lord at one time, went to Bible college, and I left. And for 10 years of my life, I was doing what I, I wanted to do, about seven years before I went to school. But I want to just prick your conscience a little bit. Have you been... Have you been completely obedient to God? If you haven't, then you're part of the problem. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. When a parent asks their son or asks their daughter to obey, the best thing they can do is just say yes. I want to encourage you that Memorial Day weekend is a weekend for us to be full of gratitude. Gratitude not only for those that have died, but for Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior. He redeemed you, but He redeemed you to bring Him glory. How can you do that? I really believe it's being a good soldier we talked about. I believe that Paul had the right understanding concerning, and I think it's important for us to remember that good soldiers will have fellowship with God. And maybe this morning you'd sit sitting there and you'd say, Pastor Howell, I'm struggling in my life. My Christian life isn't where it should be. But God spoke to my heart this morning. And I need to say yes to God in some things. I'm saved, but I'm still struggling. Maybe just lift your hand. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I won't point you out. But I need some prayer. Anybody like that this morning? Lift. Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. God desires for you to, to finish 2021 20, in a strong way. And maybe tonight you'd come back with us and see how you can continue on even though you've been afflicted and gone through some difficult things. But maybe this morning you still need to come and do business with God. We'll give you time to do that if you need to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, here I am, Lord. Then... Do your business with God. Maybe it's for baptism. You've never been baptized. By immersion. That's biblical baptism. Maybe you've never been a member of a church or you'd like to be a member here. Then come. And we'll have someone deal with you and show you what to do next. But maybe you just want to come and kneel down. We'll have time for you to do that. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to have a word of prayer. And as soon as I'm done praying, the piano will begin and so also will the invitation. I hope you'll come. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.